Welcome back to the People, Planet, Prosperity podcast, hosted by Young Canadians for Resources and Canada Action. So today we have the Honourable John Aldeg, who is currently a Member of Parliament with the Liberal Party of Canada, who represents the riding of Cloverdale, Langley City, British Columbia, Canada. He was first elected to a seat in 2015 to 2019, and then won his seat back in the 2021 election. It's nice to have you on the podcast today, Mr. Aldeg. Thank you so much for uh, the invitation to be here, and let's keep it informal. You can call me John. Okay, perfect. Okay, so to start off, would you be able to share with our audience a bit about your background and where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born and raised uh, on a uh, farm in southwestern Saskatchewan. Um, in my first year of university, I got a job uh, as an interpreter, but not a language interpreter, kind of a nature interpreter with the Canadian Wildlife Service. And uh, from that, I, I developed this love of um, being able to talk about nature with, uh, with Canadians and, and other visitors to Canada. Uh, in 1983, I started um, what became my accidental career with Parks Canada and uh, worked for the National Park Service and National Historic Sites for 34 years. Uh, in about 2012, I was in Pacific Rim National Park Reserve as the superintendent. Uh, we had to lay off all of our scientists um, because of a conservative government uh, decision to move away from science-based decision-making. And uh, that was kind of my wake-up to politics. I decided that change was needed. And um, the next thing I knew, my name was on the ballot and I was elected in 2015. And um, so uh, very you know, deep uh, background with, um, uh, in the environmental field. And uh, from there, I've been able to serve on the Environment and Sustainable Development Committee in Ottawa. And in this parliament, I've been on the Natural Resources Committee, as well as the Indigenous and Northern Affairs Committee. It's a lot of important things there. You have a large background in the environmental and natural resources and all that. And Indigenous is extremely important as well. I saw your bill. I forget the name. It's C something, but I saw that it was Indigenous Landmarks. Yeah, in, in the 42nd Parliament, I had a private member's bill that was going to change the structure of the Historic Sites and Monuments Board of Canada, which determines what events and purses and uh, places are of national significance. And there's never been an Indigenous lens on those uh, designations. And so the bill was to add a representative from the uh, First Nations, uh, Métis, and Inuit uh, peoples of Canada. Um, unfortunately, the Senate blocked the bill and it didn't pass, but the government has picked that up um, in Bill C-23. So it's government legislation and uh, it's a second reading in the House. And I'm pushing pretty much every day to have it uh, get to committee, uh, studied and back so it can then get on to the Senate and become legislation. Okay, perfect. Good to know. Okay, so how has being born in a rural town in Saskatchewan to representing the people of Lo Cloverdale, Langley City, BC impacted your outlook on the on the diversity of Canadian natural resources from coast to coast? Yeah, I, I think that you know, going to uh, my birthplace, uh, you know, a farming community, uh, grew up on a farm twenty miles from town. Um, you, you become very in tune with with nature. Agriculture was an important part of my background, we had oil and gas in our area. And so, you know, it was always looking at, um, you know, the environment, but also the use of resources. Um, with my career with Parks Canada, I've been able to move around. I've lived in seven provinces and territories. And uh, over my career, um, my wife and I wanted to get to the lower mainland to raise our kids, uh, which we were able to do. I was the youngest one was starting kindergarten, and we've been there ever since. Um, but what I've been able to take, uh, my, my ride in Cloverdale Langley City is uh, a very suburban um, riding. And, um, but I, I think that, you know, my love of nature, my respect for nature, but also understanding that we do need natural resources um, to live in modern day society, um, kind of brings those perspectives together. 
I'd also say that the thing about Cloverdale Langley City, we have two amazing communities, the town of, uh, or community of Cloverdale within the city of Surrey and uh, Langley City. Um, both of them remind me of small prairie towns. Um, there's a really strong sense of community, volunteerism, donation, support. And um, so I, I, although I'm uh, you know a couple of provinces away from where I was born and raised, I feel like home every time that I'm in Cloverdale Langley City. It, it is my home now and has been for a long time. Um, but it, uh, it has that sense of uh, a prairie camaraderie and, uh, and support. Yeah, I'm from a small town in Ontario, less than 50,000 people. So I'm, I've been su surrounded by natural resources all my life with a forestry, mining. But yeah, how actually, would you... I'm a small town. My, my town was under 1,000 <laughs> to give <laughs> perspective. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. But what role do you see Canada playing in the future supply chains needed for mining and manufacturing to build electric vehicles, wind, and solar projects? We are such a lucky country through the, uh, the natural resources that we have. Um, there are critical minerals that uh, I would say we haven't even discovered yet um, that are in Canada. And so having these, uh, these resources, it gives us that opportunity to not only mine them, I think you know, Canada has often been um, an exporter of our natural resources from oil and gas to uh, lumber to uh, minerals. And then we've given all the value-added jobs to other countries in the world. I think with critical minerals and our critical mineral strategy, it's not only about the um, development or the, the um, extraction of those resources, but also looking how we can do the value-added. So it's about uh, developing supply chains for things like batteries and the other components we'll need for electric vehicles and um, you know, other technologies that are going to be part of the green economy. So I think that's where we're really, really well-positioned on uh, using the natural resources we have particular critical minerals to help in this transition to a uh, decarbonized economy in Canada and around the world. Yeah, I agree with you completely there. Like I, I work with a um, with one of my coworkers. He's a critical minerals expert. He knows all about them. So if, if you were to have a conversation with him on critical minerals, I'm sure you guys would have a great time. <laughs> yeah, love to uh, meet him at some point. I think that, you know, the message is that we've seen other countries such as China and Russia that also have um, good uh, you know, resources, uh, critical minerals, have not been great um, players in the world stage. And I think that we have the opportunity to actually have ethically um, sourced um, and sustainably developed um, critical minerals. And uh, I think that's where we are better positioned than some of the other players on the world stage to, uh, to supply the needs in this um, as we go into this transition from a, uh, a carbon intense economy to, uh, to a green economy. Well, here at YCR, we fully agree with that, with that Canadian energy and Canadian uh, critical minerals are the right way because they're ethical and they're clean. Yeah, absolutely. So Canada currently gets more than 80% of our electricity from non-emitting sources like hydroelectricity, nuclear, and wind. How do you think we can better share these Canadian environmental success, sto success stories with all Canadians? Yeah, you know, I, I think that in some areas, you know, I'm from British Columbia, living in British Columbia now as I have, it's, it's home. We have um, an abundance of hydroelectricity. We're very fortunate as Manitoba and Quebec are other jurisdictions. And so I think that, um, you know, those of us living in jurisdictions like BC, Manitoba, Quebec, we get that we have these, you know, clean sources of, of energy. Um, I think that, um, you know, what we need to do is, is talk um, across the, the, you know, the country, um, the Atlantic provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan are still a bit more um, carbon intense on their electricity production. But one of the things I'm really, really looking forward to, our Natural Resources Committee 
our next study is going to be on how do we um, develop a clean electricity grid in Canada. And so what are the technologies? How do we deploy solar and wind? And then there are jurisdictions like Alberta and Saskatchewan that are using solar, wind. Um, there's a great potential for run of river, hydro, um, using um, you know, tidal and, and uh, run of river type uh, technologies. But I think it's discussing with Canadians what those potential um, uh, um, supplements are to the, uh, you know, what we already have for power generation. We're having really interesting discussions as well on nuclear. Um, you know, is nuclear part of the, uh, the green economy? Um, what sort of role does that play with baseload load, um, uh, management? I, I've also had great uh, discussions with um, environmental groups uh, who have modeled and indicated that we, with, with proper battery development and, and energy storage, um, that we could run the base load, so you know, sort of the nighttime uh, um, needs of Canadians for 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 living um, on green energy, on things like um, solar and wind. And so I think we just just need to let Canadians know that you know there are these solutions that they are being deployed successfully. And, um, and for sure, we need to talk openly about the challenges. But I think there are solutions, and um, and that's how we can help Canadians know. Uh, you know about all of the great natural sources of energy that we have, um, uh, our green sources of energy, low carbon or or no carbon sources of energy, and those are great conversations we should be having more of. I couldn't have said it greater than that. Truly, speaking on the same term, emission reductions efforts. The Global Mail recently said Canadian oil and gas emissions peaked in 2015 and have declined by seven percent. Yet production has grown 16 percent. As our number one export, how important is it that we balance global energy security with emission reduction efforts? Yeah, you know, this is a, a huge conversation that we continue to have. You know, we are importing um, oil and gas from other countries that may not be uh, sustainably extracting or, you know, human rights records are not great. I think the Canada has an opportunity to continue um, to supply oil and gas to our country and, and to the Americans. Uh, you know, they're a huge um, uh, user of our oil and gas. Um, but it's about, you know, how do we move? What, what's the, the transition? What's the next phase of that? Um, I know that um, there's lots of discussion right now on carbon capture, utilization and storage. And so how do we decarbonize the extraction? Um, the, uh, the oil sands in Alberta is an example. It's a, you know, energy intensive to, uh, to get those resources out. So about how do we decarbonize those? Is there ways of, of you know, opportunities like um, uh, uh, nuclear power or moving um, hydroelectricity to help um, um, lower the, uh, the carbon intensity of, of those? But, you know, overall, we have a, a good system in Canada, but, you know, there's more that we can do to help uh, reduce the, the carbon footprint from our, uh, our products that we use. Um, so yeah, those are there's some uh, initial thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, like you said before, uh, the Canada is doing really good in its, emission, its emissions footprint in general. It's very low for the abundance of resources we have. So if we keep if we keep in the direction that we're going, I think carbon capture will be a great utilization. Speaking of speaking on carbon capture, what is Canada's potential in building our existing leadership in carbon capture utilization and storage technology? Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely some uh, really interesting and and I would say leading world leading projects that are happening. Um, I haven't had a chance to visit um, any of them personally yet, but they're on my list of places to get to to learn more about. But I think that we have um, lessons that we're learning that can be employed um, worldwide. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of investment happening in this area in our um, spring budget. 
um, their economic measures to uh, to help the uh, industry um, continue to invest in carbon capture, utilization, storage, or what we call CCUS. Um, I think that whatever we do in this green energy space is going to be a win for Canada. The, the estimates are that you know, we're not only into the billions, but trillions of dollars worth of um, economic gain to be made from the transition to a decarbonized economy. And so if we can, uh, you know, through Canadian technology, through Canadian know-how, um, develop some of the, the winners in this, uh, in this space in carbon capture, utilization, and storage, we can sell that to the world. We can help, um, you know, some of the higher emitting countries, including our neighbors to the, uh, the south, to the Americans, um, actually decarbonize their energy sources. And um, that'll be a win for all of us, including the planet. Yeah, working with the United States is definitely important because Canada, and I know along with some of the northern, like the Nordic countries like Denmark, have very high level CCUS technology and just carbon capture storage in general. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that we can learn from what they're doing, but um, I, I know with Canadian ingenuity, um, we can uh, get ahead of them and, uh, and, and really capitalize on this and uh, help our economy, but also the world's economy. Absolutely. One of your roles as a member of parliament is being chair of the Commons Committee on Natural Resources. What would you be able to share with us for people who are less familiar with this job role? Sure. So the chairs, we have a, a number of standing committees in the House of Commons, and one of them is the uh, Natural Resources Committee. So um, one of the, I would say the first responsibility is that when there's legislation that is referred to the committee, um, that would be natural resources related. Um, then we take that legislation, we can call in witnesses to hear about the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we can make amendments to the legislation and ultimately we send it back to the house, um, hopefully improved. And, um, and then it goes to report stage and third reading and then on to the Senate. And so it, um, the committee's, uh, it's a, a way of looking at the government's work. It brings in opposition perspectives uh, and, um, and it, it helps us strengthen legislation. We also are able to do our own studies. So when we don't have legislation before us, um, we can take things that are of interest to the committee members. And so as the chair, um, I'm kind of like the, uh, the, the, the referee. Um, so uh, we have um, members from all parties that have, have official party status. I think it's 10 members or more. So there's members of the Liberals, the Conservatives, the Bloc, and the NDP who sit on committees. And um, the, um, the number of seats are assigned in proportion to the number of seats that are held in the House of Commons. And so as an example right now, in, um, the, um, on the Natural Resources Committee, we had agreed to do a, uh, a study on sustainable jobs, um, the, sort of this transition from uh, a carbon intense uh, economy to um, a, a green economy. And so what does that mean for workers who are right now in the oil and gas fields? We made a number of recommendations to the government on how to manage that transition. Um, there's now legislation before the House related to sustainable jobs. And um, I'd like to think that, you know, we can also help influence the direction the legislation is uh, getting developed. And so, um, you know, hopefully the government uh, looks at our work, and, and I know that they do. Um, and then we'll try to incorporate some of our recommendations as legislation is being drafted. We're working on a study right now. Um, that is um, looking at Canada's response to the Inflation Reduction Act uh, that the Americans brought in. And that is looking at how they can really um, jumpstart the transition to a, a green economy in the States. And it is in attracting billions of dollars of investment. And so, you know, the American economy is much bigger than Canada's. We can't compete dollar for dollar. And so our study really is looking at where can we be strategic in our investments, where can we make 
um, the greatest um, get the greatest bang for the Canadian dollar in the space and uh, and not see um, investment money fleeing from Canada to the Americans. The intention is that we'll have a report done. We'll be able to feed that into the fall economic statement and into the spring budget. So, um, and then our next uh, study is going to be on uh, greening Canada's electricity grid. So again, we have the clean electricity standards, the regulation, the clean standards um, that are being consulted on right now. And so by hearing from those within that space, we'll be able to make recommendations to the government on how we can continue to green the electricity that is flowing um, across um, Canada and to both industry and, and households. Okay, awesome. It's really interesting, I must say. Yeah, thank you. And, and you know what, it, it is really meaningful work. A, a lot of people, I would say a lot of Canadians don't understand the committee structure, but it is a way of, of you know, having a close look at legislation and being able to influence um, uh, you know, the direction that government policies and legislation are taking by hearing from experts and making recommendations to the government for their consideration. Perfect. We were talking about critical minerals earlier. I just want to jump back to that. In December of last year, the government of Canada unveiled its highly anticipated critical mineral strategy. What is the importance of critical minerals in ensuring Canada can have a secure, prosperous and sustainable future? Yeah, I think that um, it really is about identifying which minerals we want to invest in. So there's uh, a, a list of minerals that we're going to support the um, exploration, and, um, extraction and development of. And this really is to allow us to, um, you know, onshore the supply chains for some of these critical minerals that are going to, to be so instrumental in our transition away from a carbon-based economy. Um, I think that the critical mineral strategy also gives signals uh, and beyond signals, uh, cash incentives to businesses to invest in this area. So instead of going after things that um, you know, may have traditionally been um, the focus of mining companies, gold and such, um, this is providing the, uh, the direction to say, these are also minerals that are of interest and, and in fact um, of need uh, in, in Canada at this point in time. And so let's um, you know, make those investments now to, uh, to fully um, understand the amount of the resources we have, what it's going to take to um, get them out of the ground or out of the water, wherever they are, and, um, and bring them to market. I couldn't agree more. The critical minerals are valuable and one of the most valuable commodities on the planet. And people are just now realizing it. And it, it's really important that people do re realize it. So several studies have shown that Canadian LNG exports will help reduce emissions and help and demand for LNG is growing. What would the Canadian government do to help advance this new export opportunity? Yeah, I think that um, one of the really big discussions that's uh, that's happening is the role of LNG um, as a transitional fuel. So it has um, a lower carbon intensity than traditional oil and gas, um, but more so than things like solar, solar and wind. Um, and so, you know, we have had, uh, you know, where, where there's some uh, LNG um, development on the West Coast, as an example, I'm very familiar with, with what's happening in BC and, and in the West. Um, I think that our government, though, is also looking at how do we, instead of relying just on LNG, LNG and kind of postponing the work that needs to be done, let's really focus on, on where we need to get to and invest in the, you know, battery storage on the, the development of of clean electricity and, and things like that. And so, although LNG will play in a role, I think that our government is really, really encouraging 
um, academia and, and others to try to get us as quickly as possible to the end point that we need to be at. So it's, you know, how do we make solar more affordable, um, lower the footprint in the production of that? Same with wind, you know, there are um, environmental costs to the production of things like wind turbines and, and end of life, well, what do we do with them? And so how, let's understand that, how let's bring down the carbon intensity of the materials that are needed for green energy supplies. And then how do we look at other means of um, having clean energy? So, you know, investing in things like nuclear and small and uh, uh, small modular reactors and, and um, micro um, nuclear reactors. Um, there's lots of interesting work happening on geothermal and, uh, and other things that um, you know, may not even uh, exist today. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's work on hydrogen um, as a, uh, a fuel. And so um, you know, I think it's about how, how, what's the mix that we want as we uh, continue to decarbonize the economy and, um, and how do we invest in those end points that we want to get at, um, knowing that um, liquid natural gas or LNG is um, is also there um, to help us in that this transition. Yeah, I, this summer I spoke to Richard Vorberg of Siemens Energy North America. He's a the company is a big hydrogen player, and uh, he spoke to me just about how recently energy has become a new trend, a new topic. People are excited to talk about any form of energy, like you said, whether it be nuclear, geothermal, uh, hydrogen, LNG, all of them. It seems like an exciting talking point, and we're really excited for uh, Canadians and young Canadians to to speak about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's things that um, I, I have kids that um, are in university and uh, early 20s, and, you know, they are involved in things now that didn't exist when I was their age. And so I think it's, you know, young, uh, young people through the work that they're doing, um, both at, um, at school and, and in their careers, can help us, you know, find new sources of, of energy, um, you know, green energy, clean energy, um, refining the things that we have. Um, but um, th there is so much that um, our youth can uh, will be able to provide in this space. I'm really excited to see what uh, you and your peers are able to help with. I'm also really excited to see. And as a final message, do you have anything you'd like to share with young Canadians as it relates to natural resources? Well, I think that um, you know, we can't take uh, Canada's natural resources for granted. Um, you know, they're there, they're important, um, but we do need to... Um, you know, work with uh, with industry and and um, uh, something that's very near and dear to me is working with Indigenous peoples in Canada because you know, frankly, these minerals are on the traditional territories of one nation or another, and um, and so um, it's a, a really important way through our natural resources to reach economic reconciliation um, as long as we do respectful um, exploration and extraction, and so I think that's a, a really critical message. I think it's about, um, you know, looking at um, you know, or understanding what other minerals may be needed to uh, potentially be added to the critical minerals list and um, for youth to continue to uh, be involved in, in sciences to help us push along and, and be part of Canada's leadership, um, both domestically and internationally in the space. So, uh, as I said, I think that youth are going to play a critical role here. Um, you know, not only does the future of uh, mankind or humanity but also the planet depend on this. And um, we're going to rely on, on our youth to help us get there. It's, uh, it's your future as much as mine, and, and probably even more so uh, the, the future of youth. So um, I just look, I'm really excited about um, what uh, youth will be bringing to the table um, today, tomorrow, and into the future.
I, I couldn't have said it better. That's a fantastic message to send to the youth. And I can't wait to, for everyone to hear this. This is a fantastic message. This has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much, John. Everything you really do for the country, for for your, your, your writing of Clover Langley. Thank you for everything. And thank you for uh, helping uh, have these important conversations. Really appreciate it. Have a great day.